Hello and welcome to the Extra Point Podcast. I'm Matt Templemarsh, I'm back with Ross Williams. And first of all, we want to apologise. We were missing last week. We've just got a lot going on. We're busy men, it's the World Cup, work is non-stop. But we had plenty of winners and Ross, I want you to speak on your perfect week. Yeah, the winners have kept coming. The winners have kept coming despite us not being here last week and... uh... Yeah, I think I told you it was a real shame. I really wanted to podcast last week, so I wanted to gloat, <laughs> to be honest, because uh, at long last, at long last, I mean, the winners have been coming in all season long, let's be honest. But yeah, week nine, um, I got the clean sweep. All four came in for me uh, for the first time this season. I was extremely, extremely chuffed for that. I hope a few of you got on, uh, if you've been listening all the way through. Um, a couple more winners last week as well. So just just in the, uh, the profit uh, column. Uh, in week 10, uh, you've had a couple yourself over the last few weeks as well. Some really high-priced ones. Um, yeah, yeah. I've got myself up to, over these past four or five, I think five weeks now, I think I'm at plus 24, which I am very, very happy with. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, for those, if you listen to this and you're not aware of kind of tipping records and what kind of the general is, uh, that's very good. <laughs> that's very, very good what Matt has able, uh, been able to do recently. And yeah, for myself, return on investment, 24% so far this season for myself, which I'm uh, very, very, very happy with. Um, you can do the maths on how much that would be in terms of how much you want to stake, obviously do so responsibly. But um, yeah, we're flying, frankly. Um, so let's get into week 11 before, uh, before all this kind of good feeling <laughs> falls away. We want, to, we want to carry on with this. Let's go. Right then, week 11. I really didn't think... Uh, we'd both be tipping something very Colts positive at uh, this stage of the season. Obviously, we've not had a chance to talk about it on the podcast thus far, but of course, the Colts moved on from head coach Frank Reich a couple of weeks ago. Jeff Saturday is in the building. Uh, I'm sure you've heard all about it. It was quite the decision from Jim Irsay, but kind of paid dividends on Saturday on, uh, last Sunday as, as things would happen. Um, he's won the know. He's undefeated as a head coach uh, in the NFL as Jeff Saturday. And the Colts now face a real challenge against the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, coming up a loss to the commanders on Monday Night Football. But we're both pretty positive on this one around the Colts. We're not taking anything to do with the result. I don't expect a Colts win this week. Uh, but we like, we like a player each, don't we? I'll let you, I'll let you kick off because you are going big uh, yes. this week on one particular Colt. So, um, yeah, mine's a little bit more obvious, so I'll let you go first. <laughs> These Jeff Saturday Colts, I absolutely love it. And what I love the most is Matt Ryan is amazingly back in the centre. I think... That was just so dirty to Frank Reich, letting, letting Sam Ellinger to come in. And then as soon as he's gone, it's right, OK, we're back to Matt Ryan. But Matt Ryan being back is very good news for one player in particular, and that is Paris Campbell, who I am all in on this week. I'm going three bets on him. I've got his line at 36 and a half receiving yards. I am five points that he will clear that. Then I've also backed the touchdown at five to one, and then a little sprinkling on the brace at 75 to one. The price is just insane. But the important thing, as I said, is Matt Ryan is back with Paris under Matt Ryan. His stats these past three games have been amazing. He's seen a 25% target share, which has been at least 10 targets per game, which is crazy. He's racked up 203 receiving yards and three touchdowns for a touchdown every single game. Now, you might look at this Eagles matchup and think, oh, this isn't any good. Obviously, I understand it. Their cornerbacks are amazing, and it racks up as the fourth-best secondary in the league. But they've allowed the 12th most yards to slot receivers in the entire NFL. Paris Campbell is playing 79% of his snaps from the slot, 
And to be honest, we can probably expect a negative game script here. The Eagles are wanting revenge coming back off of their shock defeat against the Commanders, and they're going to be wanting to run up the score, which means the Colts are going to be forced to throw more, which means more opportunity for Paris Campbell. Now you think of these cornerbacks, you've got Darius Slay and James Bradbury, and they're going to be looking to take Michael Pittman, who is the most targeted Colt. They're going to be wanting to take him out completely from the game. You look at the slot cornerback, which is where Paris Campbell is mainly going to be playing. Eagles starting cornerback Avante Maddox landed on IR this week. That means he's going to be facing a backup in this position, which, I mean, that is absolutely perfect for Campbell. He's going to have by far the easiest matchup out of any of these receivers. He's averaged 67 yards through these this past three-game stretch, which makes that 36-and-a-half line look really easy. And like I said, he had a touchdown in every single game. Is So a touchdown at 5-1. to one. Most of the bookies have this a kind of a down to 5-2, to two, so you're getting basically amazing price there. And then even more on the brace, it's 23-1 to one with Skybet. With Bet365, it is 75-1. to one. I just don't get it. The opportunity is there. I absolutely love this. But I'll let you talk more on perhaps a bit more of an obvious one. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, a slightly more obvious one. But I will say just to start with, um, I think I would almost usually challenge you on this one, on the Campbell one. But the line is so low, I can't. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand things. it. Yeah, yeah. if the line was more around where it should be based in the last three weeks, which is probably around the 60-yard mark, let's say 60, 70-yard mark, then... I'd probably have some concern, but at 36, I, I, it's because of these games with Sam Ellinger. He his stats yeah. fell off of a cliff because he just wasn't seeing the ball. So yeah. it's perfect that Matt Ryan has come back in and the bookies haven't caught up to this. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, but I am going a slightly different direction in terms of the Colts offense, uh, which is the run game. Uh, I'm going with the run game. Um, I've written in my column this week for Sporting Life. Get on it, sportinglife.com. Both of our articles are there. Uh, my, my top line, I read it to you. I don't know if the Colts are back. I don't think the Colts know if the Colts are back, but I am pretty sure that Jonathan Taylor is back based on based on week 10. Based on week 10, we gave him the ball more times than we have since week uh, since week one. Week one was his heaviest workload, 31 carries. Um, he's not top 21 since then, apart from last week where he had 22, 147 total yards, and he finally got that touchdown. Obviously, he's scoring in week one. He's not scored since. Uh, he finally got a breakaway run, a trademark Jonathan Taylor run as well. Um, against that Raiders D and you're thinking well here's the Raiders it's the Raiders defense of course he did um, not really because let's be honest they knew exactly what Jeff Saturday was going to do I mean it's not a shock that they were going to run the ball more Jeff Saturday literally there's a very famous mic'd up argument with Peyton Manning yes arguing to run the ball he was arguing against Peyton Manning in that offense that they should run the ball more that is how it, it's embedded in his DNA running the football. They knew it was going to happen. The Eagles know it's going to happen this week. But it's not that easy to stop. The Raiders had a very difficult time stopping it. And the Philadelphia run defense is not that good, or certainly hasn't been in the last few weeks. Can't talk about the secondary. Of course, you've already brought that up. Last three weeks, they've been talking 140, 150 yards each and every game. With all due respect to Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson on Monday night, they had a, they had a heck of a night. And I'd I wouldn't put either of those running backs in the, in the caliber of Jonathan Taylor. And crucially, the offensive line, which has been terrible all season long, looked far, far better on Sunday. Was it literally just a matter of having a week with a borderline Hall of Fame offensive lineman in there, really drilling into them? Maybe it was. It's another seven days of that. They're going to improve. They're going to play for him. Uh, nothing else. I don't think they'll play for Frank Reich. I think it's as simple as that. They are going to play for this coach. Um, he's a smash mouth coach. They're going to run the ball no matter what against the Eagles. Look, will, it, will they win the game? 
I'm not so sure. But will they run the game? Will they run the ball? Will they give it to Jonathan Taylor? I think if anything proves what kind of game plan the Colts are going to do this week and for the rest of the season, it's been the coldest week of the year in Indiana. We're probably going to shut the roof against the Eagles on Sunday. They've been training outside all week. <laughs> that was not happening under Frank Reich, let me tell you. There's a very perfect indoor practice facility where they were training. Jeff Saturdays had them in the snow on the grass this week running the damn football. That is what they're going to be doing. Taylor to get 100 yards. Taylor to score a touchdown. Rope it all together. You're looking at about 9-4, to four, I think. You can, might even push it out to about 3-1, to one, uh, depending on where you look. But I think 9-4 to four is quite a solid price. You're getting nowhere near this price last season. You're getting nowhere near this price week one. It might be the best price we ever get if, if this court trajectory goes the right way. Um, the Eagles dig. If they've got any kind of weakness, it is between the tackles. That's where Jonathan tells it. He's best. 100 yards and a touchdown. I like it this week. I like it a lot. Yeah, definitely. Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon effectively came out and said, if I don't have a nose tackle, my run defense doesn't really work. And yeah. Jordan Davis, their first round pick, the absolute statue of a man, he is huge. He landed on IR and he's been out, which I think is effectively why the run day has been so bad. And he obviously still is out. This week, the Eagles went and signed Linval Joseph and Ndomukun Sue, but mm-hmm. I think it was perhaps Thursday, at least late Wednesday, that they signed them. That is... It's a short turnaround. Not much time at all to get them uh, accelerated with the game script, anything at all. So, yeah, yeah I think they're going to be rusty still. And, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, they, he is looking like himself again. It's been a shame to see him fall off. And, yeah, I, I like the value of this as well. Nice one, nice one. I'm a, obviously, as a, as a Colts fan, I am quite happy. We are going very positive on Colts. Yeah, let's, let's well, go so. Jeff Saturday. <laughs> let, let's, let's, hope it's, let's hope we see it. Let's hope we see it. Um, shall we go to one of my games next? Two? Yeah, let's go Browns. Give me the Browns at plus seven and a half. Not, not in a thunderstorm, snowstorm. Yeah. It's a, a weird one. This really is. And as, as you've, if you've seen the pictures of what's happening at Orchard Park at the moment, you'll be wishing along with us that the game was being played in Buffalo this week. But yeah, this really is one of those picks that's based on just situational. Uh, it is what's happening. Uh, for those unaware, the Browns are playing the Bills this week. The Bills, of course, coming off that um, disappointing loss. I think you call it a disappointing loss, but I mean, what a game against the Vikings on Sunday. They were really kicked in the mouth. Both teams were kicked in the mouth dur- uh, during that game, but they ultimately come out on the losing side. Um, yeah, this game's not taking place in Buffalo. They're having to take it to Detroit with the roof because the snowstorm is so bad in Western New York. It just throws the whole week off of the Buffalo Bills. And it's a bad time for that to happen coming off that loss as well, which was quite the bruising one against the Vikings. I mean, we're recording this on Saturday morning, UK time. I don't believe they've left the ground yet to leave to Detroit. I mean, they also canceled Friday's practice. They did a virtual practice, uh, such as the weather conditions. It's about as bad a week of preparation as Buffalo could have possibly had going into this game. They're going into a field um, they've not played in since 2014. Um, There's a really interesting caveat in this game because Buffalo can now, and it might play into week 12 picks, because they can now stay in Detroit because they played the Lions on Thanksgiving. (laughs) So they're actually going to play back-to-back games at Ford Field now. Weirdly enough, they've not played at Ford Field since 2014. 2014 was the last time they had to play a home game at Ford Field due to some snow in <laughs> Buffalo. One of those weird NFL coincidences that happened, but there we go. Um, it's just been the worst week for them, possibly, preparation-wise. The Browns the Browns are a weird one. The Browns are a weird team, but 
Deshaun Watson's been practicing this week. He's, of course, not going to play. He can't play till I believe, week 13 or 14. There'll be a, something in the back of their mind. Well, it's, it, it, it's a small chance of the playoffs, but there'll be something in the back of their mind going, if we can just pick up a couple now, Watson comes in, who knows? They might just sneak into the wild cards. They'll be considering that. Uh, I think this is an opportunity. This is the perfect time to play the Bills. And crucially, as you said at the top, plus seven and a half. It's more than a touchdown, the spread. They may not win this game. Josh Allen is Josh Allen. They're so, so good. But Cleveland are very good at running the ball. Nick Chubb is an excellent, excellent rusher of the ball. Similar to the Eagles. Uh, they've not been great the last three weeks, the Buffalo Bills. They're also knocking around 130, 140 yards uh, between the tackles in the last three weeks. They have been pretty leaky against running backs. Nick Chubb's one of the very, very best. And just to cl- um, finish on this one, last seven games for the Buffalo Bills, they haven't covered in five of them. They're not a very good covering team, although they do get the victories in the end. Give me the Browns and a touchdown. It's underrated how injury hit the Bills are. Yeah. Obviously, Josh Allen was talked about and he was rumoured he could miss last week and he mm-hmm. might still not be right. But on a D, they've had constant players being missing. Yeah. Tredavious White as well. Yeah. Tredavious White, their absolute star cornerback. Obviously, he started the year not with the team and now he's been coming back on and off and he's out again this week and then you're missing two key players Greg Rousseau on the edge who's really stepped up this year and he's looked like a really good player and he's out and then crucially Tremaine Edmonds their linebacker he's out as well so the duo of Matt Milano who himself is banged up as well and Tremaine Edmonds you're missing that so that's music to Nick Chubb's ear I think he's going to be able to absolutely hammer the ball and seven and a half points for Browns they they make a lot of mental errors, but yeah. like you say, when they have Deshaun Watson, it's it's going to be a disgusting watch, and there's going to be so <laughs> yeah. many horrible narratives. I think they could be a good shot for the Super Bowl, depending on how he actually looks. He's total question marks. We haven't seen him for basically two years, yeah. but they do have a lot going right for them, the Cleveland Browns. Completely agree. Let's talk about someone who I think in week three I called the worst quarterback in the NFL. I think I um, agreed with you that I yeah. cannot believe what has happened with Justin Fields. I'm backing Justin Fields to score an anytime touchdown against the Atlanta Falcons, and you can get that at seven to five, which is really generous. Some of the bookies nice. have that below evens now. So to get this at seven to five, I'm yeah, very pleased with this. He is becoming a superstar before our eyes, which as we just discussed, I don't know how this has happened. He was throwing the ball kind of like, I think he threw it 11 times in one game, 14 times in the next. I don't know how he's had this development where he's throwing the ball so competently, but crucially, he is running the ball so well. He's placed himself into the conversation as best rushing quarterback in the league alongside Lamar Jackson. In his past two games, 325 yards on the ground. That is the most ever by a quarterback. You look at his last four, he's got 467 total and five touchdowns in that span. And I can see another against Atlanta. The Falcons are conceding 25 points per game. That's the sixth most in the NFL. And you look at these last few Bears games, there are so many points. Justin Fields is the Bears averaging over 30 points per game. Mm-hmm. It's because they need to. There's, there's a shootout constantly. They're scoring points but they're giving up points and I can see that happening again to be honest it's pretty much the same story with Atlanta not much D pretty exciting offense it's very very similar teams in that essence the Falcons are allowing 119 rushing yards per game so we can definitely see Justin Fields racking up some on the ground here 
But importantly, they're conceding the most passing yards per game in the entire NFL by a good stretch as well. I think by 34 yards. Now, that might sound a bit confusing when I'm tipping Justin Fields to score a rushing touchdown, not anything to do with passing. But importantly, it means that Justin Fields will be offered more passing opportunities. That's good because this is where he thrives. When Justin Fields drops back, he lets the play develop and then ultimately lets the play break down. He can spot those open fields, excuse the field field pun. He can spot the open holes where he can just absolutely puncture. He is so fast. He'll be able to scramble, pick up the yards and ultimately score touchdowns. He said nine red zone carries over the last four games. Five of them have come with just goal to go. It is value to get this at seven to five and going forward, he's going to be below evens every single week. Yeah, I think it's a strike while the iron's hot job with this, isn't it? Um, yeah, completely agree. Fields is just, yeah, the resurgence has been quite something to watch. And uh, yeah, I absolutely love that one. I uh, wish we took him. I wish the Niners took him. I am so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of those butterfly effect moments isn't it <laughs> no who exactly. knows it could have happened who knows it could have happened uh, um, talk to me about the cincinnati Bengals. who i am shocked it is only minus four against the pittsburgh steelers yeah i, I think it's one of those lines which is kind of based on more history than anything else yes. uh it's one of those it's, yeah, it's at pittsburgh uh, i think if this was in cincinnati it'd be probably a different story uh cincinnati Bengals this week as you say minus four to beat the steelers uh i like it they're off the bye the Bengals. jamar chase will not be back just yet i think Ooh. it is week 12 it is, look, I, I mean, for one thing, it would not be minus four if Jamar Chase was playing. Yeah. That is for sure. That's another, that's another caveat on that. Um, T. Higgins is ranked 21st in the NFL as a receiver this year. It, it's not all bad, let's be honest, when Jamar Chase is out. And that, that that's really speaks to the depth of this Bengals offense. It really is quite impressive. But T. Higgins slots in extremely, extremely well. And crucially for the Bengals now, they could, they could run the ball. I mean, the last time we saw the Bengals, Joe Mixon scored just the four touchdowns uh, against the Panthers. And five, again, wasn't it? It was five. Uh, yeah, four on the ground. Four on the ground, five. five yeah. Um, I mean, the game's over at halftime. Uh, Baker Mayfield came in, actually played some nice stuff for the Panthers in that game, if I remember correctly. But yeah, that's how little the Bengals cared about the second half in that game because they didn't need to. I think they're a real dark horse now. I, I really do. I'm coming around to the Bengals. Yeah. They, were, they, were, they were up and down at the start of the season and... Another reason why it's probably minus thought uh, is the bookmakers have probably looked at week one, uh, which was the first match between these two teams. The Steelers ended up winning that game. I've looked back at it. I've looked at the, back score, uh, the box score, looked at some tape in that game. Everything that could have possibly gone wrong for the Bengals went wrong for the Bengals. I think it was four or five turnovers. Joe Burrow, Burrow had five picks to be. They yeah. only just lost that game to exactly. throw five picks and still be in it coming down to the final play of the game is ridiculous. That's my point. It was an overtime job, I believe, uh, yeah, yeah. in that game. Um, and yeah, everything that could have gone wrong for the Bengals went wrong that day. Look, if the exact same thing happens, I apologise. I'll hold my hands up, but I just can't <laughs> see it. I just can't see it. This is a better Bengals team than they were 10 weeks ago. It's as simple as that. Um, there was always going to be a bit of... I know, I'm aware that the off-season is about eight months long. There's always going to be a bit of a hangover from where it is. Look at the Rams. Look at the Rams. They were the team that won that Super Bowl. Um, they're in they're underdogs, I believe, this week in a game you wouldn't expect them to be underdogs in, um, which is why I will not be touching that game <laughs> anyway, going anywhere near it. Um, but yeah, the Bengals are the same thing. The Bengals are the same thing. There was expectation, of course, but you, it's very rare for a, a team that gets a Super Bowl to kick on straight away. It takes a little bit of time. The Bengals should be higher than minus four in this game. I really do think they're a touchdown better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. TJ Watt is back, which of course helps. Uh, will he sack Joe Burrow two, three times? Probably. 
I just don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers or Kenny Pickett can get enough going on offense though to um, to match this this offense, which is extremely prolific. And the final point in this game is just what this game means. The Steelers three and six, they're out of it. I, I would suggest we talked about the Browns and the Browns at least have the kind of light at the end of the tunnel in the sense of Watson coming back. With the Steelers, it's very much looking towards next year now. They don't need this win. The Bengals are five and four. They've got the postseason in mind. Um, but they need to win this game because I've looked at their schedule. I think there's only maybe two teams left with a losing record on their schedule. It's very, very tricky. They've probably got the hardest jump schedule now going forward, although maybe not mathematically. If you actually look at the teams they're playing, it's rough. Um, so this is a must-win game. This is a must-win game for the Bengals. They got over the six-year hoodoo last year uh, of winning in Pittsburgh, so that's out of the window. That monkey's off the back. I like Cincinnati to cover minus four in this game, and Joe Burrow in that uh, 925 slot, I believe, in this game as well. Uh, a little bit more uh, viewership on him. Joe Burrow shines. He doesn't worry about that. He doesn't worry about the pressure. I think Joe Burrow gets the job done against the Pittsburgh Steelers quite comfortably this week. I'll be taking them at minus four. Yeah, I love that. And something that's underrated is the Bengals' D, which has been actually really, really strong as well this year. And like you say, Kenny Pickett, I just don't think he's going to be up to it. I think the Steelers would actually have a better chance with Mitch Trubisky, but you're just not obviously going to change. It's a play for the future now. So, yeah, give me this. Like, I agree. It should be at least a touchdown this game, not minus four. So, absolute value there. Yeah, completely agree. Right. One thing I did say is I'm not touching the Rams game. Yes. I'm certainly not touching the result. Um, but the problem with the Rams, with the way they are at the moment, player props can be quite nice in terms of the lines, can't they? So you pick one out and I can completely understand why. Yeah, do, do not touch anything to do with the Rams money line no. handicap at all. <laughs> I don't want any part of this. But what's important is Cooper Cup is on IR. He's got an ankle injury and is out for at least a month. That has left such a gaping hole in their offense. Cup had 98 targets this year with a 30.2% target share. That is all up for grabs. And I'm looking to Mr. Preseason, Alan Robinson. Can we see the hype that was raved about? His line is at 48 and a half at five to six. And I'm going on the over on that. He's slowly been getting more involved over these last few weeks. His target share from the past three weeks has gone from 14.5% on the year to 18.6%. And there's no doubt about it now. He is easily the most talented wide receiver in that in that wide receiver room. You've got Ben Skoranek and Van Jefferson as his competition. It is Allen Robinson time. We don't have to worry about John Wolford or anything here. Matthew Stafford has cleared concussion protocol and he will be playing against the Saints. The Saints have given up the 10th most yards to wide receivers this season at 154 yards per game. Saints in general have been really surprising. I, I just don't really understand that team at all. Obviously, the quarterback situation was always a question mark, but their D for the past few years, you've always viewed that as vaunted, as a really difficult matchup. The fact that they're giving up so many yards to wide receivers is really surprising. So, yeah, I think there's a good opportunity for Robinson here. And over his last four games, he's racked up 185 receiving yards. That's 46 yards per game. So even without Cooper Cup, well, sorry, even with Cooper Cup playing, he's only two yards shy of what he needs. With Cup out now, there's 11 targets up for grabs. Robinson surely will be getting at least a good amount of those. I hope the majority. I think it's just a pretty safe bet to expect that he is going to be more involved in the offense and he is a good bet to clear his 48 and a half receiving line. 
completely agree. This could be Alan Robinson's coming out party for the Rams, hopefully. Uh, exactly. I saw this. Yeah. I saw this at 70. I wanted to go for 75 receiving yards, but I just, there's something going on with the Rams. I just don't trust yeah. it enough at the moment. So I'm going to take it a bit safer, go for the four, eight and a half and bank on that. Yeah, I think that's the smart move. I think that's a smart move. But yeah, I, I could, you could probably write any number next to Alan Robinson this week. I probably wouldn't be too surprised. It's just, it's just the unpredictability, isn't it? But um, exactly. Yeah, I love that line a lot. Uh, I'll take us home if you like. With the final game this week, we're going to look at. It's the Las Vegas Raiders. It's the Denver Broncos. I could not have picked the under quick enough in this game when I saw yes. it on the slate. Uh, Forty-two. Well, I think the actual line is forty-one and a half. Uh, the official line at the moment, but. I pushed it out a little bit and done a little bit, a little bit of playing around with this pick because you can't just go the under in this game. And I couldn't, I couldn't question anyone just going for the under about 41 and a half this game. However, I checked the sky bet lines and what you can get in this game is under 42 and a half and a result essentially with a point, uh, with a half a point either way. I'm going to go Raiders plus a half point to beat the Broncos and the under. The under goes without saying. I think the Broncos are eight of the last nine, or is it nine of the last ten to the under? The Denver Broncos go under. It's as simple as that. There there is no point in Denver Broncos games. The reason why, uh, they concede the fewest points in the league. Uh, they score the fewest points in the league. They're the anti-Detroit Lions, if you remember the start of the yes. season, where they had the, <laughs> the leakiest defense and the highest scoring offense. It's the opposite of the Denver Broncos. Not fun. <laughs> it's not fun to watch, let's put it that way. The Raiders are much more in the middle. They have a defense which concedes about 25 points per game, which is too high, admittedly. It's far too high, but they score about eight points more than the Denver Broncos. And that's what I'm going to go with in this game, I think, because what Russell Wilson is going to have the ball in his hands as much as Derek Carr, if not more, in this game, just just due to how good his defense is. I don't know about you, uh, 10 weeks of the season, I've not seen any indication he knows what to do with it. No. Uh, There's no offense. There is just no offense uh, in Denver. It's really, it's sad to see, to be honest, a guy being paid that much money, a guy who's been so good in the league for so long, just doesn't look like he has a clue. Uh, If I'm honest, behind that line of scrimmage, it's really quite grim. Um, So I'm going to kind of flip the old adage of defense wins championships. And I'm going to say, you know what, defense does win championships, but offense wins week 11 games against three and six football team. <laughs> Generally, that's how it works. Like, yeah, I, I, I think Devontae Adams is the game changer in this game. It, it's as simple as that. I don't think Denver have anything like that on offense. Derek Carr's not been 2021 Derek Carr, but he's had some performances out of Josh Jacobs, who's probably having his career best year, to be fair. Uh, although maybe not the superstar we maybe thought he could be. Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. Even against the Colts last week, like, he had Indianapolis fans very, very worried down the stretch. He's finding them consistently, mainly because he doesn't have consistency with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller and injuries and all that kind of stuff. So it pretty much is his Adams. But if you're going to rely on anyone, you'd like it to be him. He can do an awful lot on this offense just by himself. And I think that gives them the slight edge. And with half a point in my back pocket as well, it's going to be a low scorer. It's going to be tight. But I'm going to take the Raiders in this and... It is helped by the fact that the Broncos are on our no-bet list, which we've not touched for a few weeks, but they are on there. Um, so, yeah, Raiders plus half a point and the under of 42.5. Comes in about 11-4, to four, maybe even 3-1 to one by the uh, start of the game, which is very, very, very nice indeed, I think. Um, yeah, bet this game, don't watch this game. That'd be my my advice. Yeah, no, I I love this. And you just look at the injury report for both teams, to be honest. Obviously, you discussed some of the players on IR already. 
There are so many injuries. And yeah. you look at the Broncos. They obviously Jerry Judy went down last week, did not participate in practice. KJ Hamler as well did not did not participate. I don't know who the next wide receiver is. Is it the his name eludes me, the guy who started at quarterback one week, Kendall Hinton. Kendall Hinton. I think yeah. he is now going to be wide receiver two, which where's number nine, want. I think, or something like that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want that. And yeah, I won't bother reading all the names out, but there are so many players did not participate or limited across both teams, to be honest. So yeah, take the under. There are too many players out. Yeah, I think, as I say, I think the under goes about saying it is, yeah, eight of the last nine Broncos games have hit the under. I mean, if you need any more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's it. Just final point on the result. Josh McDaniels is a proud man. I'm not a huge Josh McDaniels fan, I will say that, but he is a proud man and he will be very aware of the talk in the press this week that essentially the Raiders have said, we'd get rid of him, but we can't afford to. Yeah. That is basically the situation in Las Vegas. He's not going to take that line down. He's going to throw everything at what is a winnable game. Uh, So there's probably not going to be too many more winnable games coming up. So this is the one he'll absolutely want to make a statement in. And um, yeah, I think he can. I think he can. Right then, that'll do it for this week. Thank you very, very much for listening to our Week 11 preview. Uh, We hope you had some winners of the last few weeks. We apologise once again uh, for missing last week, but that will not be a consistent theme. Do not worry. We'll be with you for the rest of the season. Um, Yeah, thank you for listening. Enjoy the football this week. If you are having a go, of course, be responsible, but enjoy yourself. And yeah, we'll see you next week, hopefully, with a whole stack of winners once again. We'll see you soon.